You're listening to the Madcast Media Network. Madcastmedia.com I've invited you here to discuss something that's very important. We welcome you. Welcome back to Godzilla vs. Podcast. I'm Haley. George. And George. We're we not got, even, no, it's oh, okay because because this is this we got to tell the people we got to tell the people that we're supporting social distancing and we're not in the same room. That's right, not in the same room. First time we've recorded a podcast not in the same room, and that's why that's why you'll see a few uh, missteps because usually we're looking at each other yep, when we we're talk. looking at each other. We're usually we're we're vibing on jokes. With eye contact, uh-huh. all sorts of things. There's at least three jokes for every one that you guys, <laughs> you guys, you guys hear. If you want to hear more, <laughs> visual jokes. There's some smell jokes. You know, we got little uh, trumpet. Uh, trump- oh yeah, we guys. <laughs> you're usually hitting some five cents jokes. You know, it's like a, it's like all spice, but with jokes. But uh, but this yeah, time. It's, it's a- <laughs> Yeah, this time. So we're on quarantine. This is the first time we've recorded. Yes, under quarantine. first time we recorded under quarantine. So, uh, we usually stack a couple episodes. We usually get get a little bit ahead for you guys, and then, uh, you know, shit hit the fan worldwide. Really? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> the stock market crashed. <laughs> what? You know, I was. I was uh, I was gonna make a sketch uh, with a you know just like a little animated sketch where a guy is in a coma and he comes out and and the the nurse like he's like what's changed he goes the nurse is like ah Disneyland is closed the NFL is canceled the stock market crash he goes oh my god how long have I been out and he's like she's like four days <laughs> that's perfect <laughs> it's so true man like it's so funny how overnight it went. It really was overnight because I remember the day before they really started locking stuff down. I I went for a walk with my uh, one of my friends, and she she came over and we were like, "Let's go for a walk." And I told her, "Okay, so tomorrow, as of tomorrow, we're telecommuting to work because somebody at my work got COVID, or they thought had COVID, and it turned out he ended up." having it and as we go for a walk <laughs> and we're sitting there we're walking and smoking a joint so we're a little bit high and then everybody we pass is like talking about it and people are going well yes yeah, somebody at work has it i, I, I gotta get home <laughs> like all this stuff it was like <laughs> it really was like the beginning of an apocalypse film it was crazy yeah and speaking of apocalypse films we picked the perfect movie well, we for this episode under this time it. Well, uh, I mean, you but you That's guys right. picked the perfect, <laughs> perfect movie. <laughs> and listen, there we there were there was criticisms. There was there was vocal support. Yeah. There was vocal dismay uh, because there is this is not mm-hmm. in the Godzilla universe. But I think, and because this also this beat GMK by a hair, by like the teeniest yeah. tiny the hair on its on its chinny chin host chin. Which which is fine because then it saves GMK for a, a guest. I love talking with a guest, a guest especially someone who's like seeing it new. I agree, I agree. And you know, for those listening that don't know, GMK is Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah, giant monsters all out attack, uh, and that came out in two thousand one. And yeah, I think I think it's good that we're saving that for a guest, and I think it's good that this one won the vote because it is so timely for many reasons i mean look the m- big biggest Very reason timely. is that this man the director just won an oscar that's the only reason this is timely <laughs> <laughs> the only reason <laughs> uh, <laughs> nothing else thematically are you sure Haley? there's nothing else thematically no, that man, you i don't know what, what it was such a fantasy romp uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what's weird is like I, I'll pull up Netflix or whatever, and everybody is watching. Yeah, why are they watching films. that? And I'm like, like I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know. Contagion. Yeah, what do you just want to watch your misery? Like you're living it. <laughs> the movie is supposed to be escapism, but this movie I, I think is mm-hmm. a little bit different. First of all, I got to say I loved, loved it. We watched it was... the host, everybody. 2006 film, not That's to be right. confused with the 2013 film, The Host by Stephanie Myers. <laughs> <Or> my, <laughs> that, oh, Meyer, that's right. Yeah. I guess uh, that like has Saoirse Ronan in it. and. and 
and also not to be confused with the late night show host, Seth Myers. <laughs> uh, <so laughs> God, host just attracts all these Myers. <laughs> you know, so I want to say something about the giant monster because because we when we originally started Godzilla vs. Podcast Zero, we talked about uh, extending this to the larger yeah. kaiju universe. Now, this is not a movie that is going to have giant monsters destroying cities, but the monster, I think this is the cutoff point of how how uh, big a monster should be for it to be considered I, a kaiju movie because it is a giant monster. It's a, it's a standard yeah. SUV size. Wouldn't you agree? Well, uh, maybe maybe a little bit bigger. I would say uh, I would say like a small, small bus, bus, a Hummer, uh, like a small a Hummer. May, maybe it's a maybe. Don't take this away from me. (laughs) (laughs) That was the code name in the script, the Hummer. (laughs) Yeah, when they were still under NDA. (laughs) Although, remember, remember Godzilla versus was it uh, was it uh, Megaguirus or Destroy Destoroya when when there was he was fighting those little guys that were running around with what was that movie where where Dorats the little the turn in the no not the Dorats. These were the this, this was the movie where it was like uh um the buddy cop film they did they kept referencing. Oh uh, lethal, lethal weapon. weapon. Uh, that was wasn't that Biolante? Yeah, yeah. Biolante, yeah, it was Biolante. Didn't didn't they have like little guys that they were chasing in that one? Uh that they eventually okay. merged into one one big anyway, the point is there's <laughs> other <laughs> there's there's other there's other relatively small monsters, even in the Godzilla lore okay guys so <laughs> yeah damn straight that's the, the, point. Point, the point is <laughs> <laughs> the point is this qualifies it's and and mm-hmm. and here's the thing and they did i thought uh top line here not only was this an awesome movie uh across the board for like the relationship driven i think it's they, they they he did such a good job of using and he always does uh, uh, Bong Joon Ho always, uh, yeah, right. That's how it's pronounced. Bong Joon Ho. Okay. Yeah. Um, so. I can't pronounce my own name, so it's just <laughs> things are disastrous for me. Um, the he does such a good job of using um like a family dynamic in the best way possible in these kind of horror twists and stuff, and obviously he does that in Parasite. And he does it super well here. And then I also thought the monster was used incredibly judiciously because they use the the UCGI. They knew it was going to get outpaced by you know tech pretty fast, so they made it work just in just enough scenes that you're not constantly picking it apart. Boy, I got to tell you, they did such a good job on the CGI. There was only one scene where I where I kind of had I kind of like, did a double yeah. take, but for the most part. The creature, um, he does something really cool in this, which is he he made the creature almost um, sloppy like a yeah. dog on a waxed waxed wooden <laughs> floor. You, like the you mean that he runs with the sound of a Hanna Barbera? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's it's a real whimsical. <laughs> um, but uh, no, they they he did this thing where where the creature when it runs it slides around and trips over itself and it has it's almost like slippery because I mean the creature does look slippery in this whole thing but it gives it so much realism it, the organic way it moves I thought they did such a good job there were some scenes where I I thought well I mean if this is CG I don't know I don't know how or I don't know what like, I really couldn't tell if it was a practical effect. Yeah. In some of the scenes. Maybe it's a, a it mix of both. It probably was. It probably was. Um, and it was done. Yeah. you're. The, I completely agree. It was done super well. Uh, and it starred the guy who uh, eventually played the dad in um, in Parasite. And, he, you know, that's the, the guy with the blonde hair, our lead. And he plays the dad in Parasite. He's also in The Good, The Bad, and The Weird, this actor, which is one of the, I love that movie. He's played the weird. Yeah, I haven't seen it. <laughs> I haven't oh, you seen gotta it, watch. But, um, uh, is that also a bunker? Uh, no, movie? that is a different. Uh, sorry, I. I'm so bad with names. This this isn't even about the like the fact that I speak a different language. I just can't re- like I can hardly remember anybody's name. Um, but the good, the bad, and the weird is an excellent movie. Everybody should see it. George, you got to see it. It's got like this weird western, almost noir sort of thing on a train. It's awesome. 
Yeah. All right. I'll, uh, I'll put it on the list. But yeah, this um, guy's this guy's a such a good actor. He's such a good actor, and he's like in it like the whole freaking film. And uh, to your note too about the the family dynamic, normally that's the weak part in a kaiju movie for me. I, I I'm not like you know I'm I'm there for the main show. I'm there for Godzilla. But this was so fascinating. His characters are so um, non-linear, non-one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. You have, first of all, our lead is this guy who is kind of a klutz. And he is constantly, he's almost like the human version of the host because he's constantly yep. He's like falling over himself. He's kind of slow, kind of a slacker idiot. He's always asleep. He's like not good at his job. And I mean, yeah, let's get into it. But real fast, also, the director of The Good, the Bad, the Weird was Kim Ji Won. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll I'll put it on the list. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They go. He's he's this kind of dorky, dorky dude, which he which, again, Bong Joon-ho does a lot with his uh, he does that in Parasite, too. There's a lot of there. And I feel like there was a lot of reflection there. Yeah. Let's let's get into it. So you have it starts with uh, (laughs) A good old American. <laughs> it starts with a good old American do, telling his uh, Korean assistant to dump a bunch of bottles of bad formaldehyde down a drain, <laughs> right? Yeah, because the formaldehyde bottles were dusty. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and then you have the scientist in the in the lab. He says, but this is this is toxic. We shouldn't do this. And he goes, dump yeah, it. In true, in true American fashion, he says, dump it. <laughs> <laughs> dump it. Get rid of it. I don't care. Dump it down the sink. And he almost does it like with a snide, like, Mwah. yeah, he definitely does. He definitely has got like, he, he's definitely got some, some attitude to it. And yeah, he's got a lot of attitude. Like if I was, if I was a scientist running a laboratory and I had to get rid of some chemicals, I'm like, oh, yeah, I just dump it down the drain or whatever the yeah. protocol was. But I wouldn't be like, dump it down the drain. And someone's like, but, sir, don't you know this is pollution? It's like, I don't care about Pop, pollution. pollution. Dump but it. he does have that, that like, the, a theme that runs through this whole film is there's a true American arrogance that just is constantly going through. And, you know, you know, George, I just don't think that relates to what's going on right now. In the world. So, <laughs> so speaking of, uh, there is a lot, lot of satire Lots. in this movie. Um, it's it's a satire of of uh, politics and government and uh, culture and society. There's so much commentary yeah. in this movie. It's yeah, really international, cool. like the political satire on, you know, basically, I mean, and it wouldn't even have to be like it's U.S. actions in South Korea, but you could impose this, you could superimpose this on tons of different countries interactions uh, where one country comes into the other and that there's some, you know, toxic waste getting buried and all that stuff. Also, uh, it was uh, inspired by, there was a a fish. So this, this is what inspired uh, Bang Jun-ho was that there was a fish caught in the Han river that had an S shaped spine. So if you look at that monster, he has a big S shaped spine. Uh, Yeah, that's very cool. Um, At the beginning of the movie, that's, that's kind of how, so you cut to from the laboratory right to the river where there's some fishermen and you can see the direct results of this. Like, I I like that you have an immediate cause and effect right here. You don't have you don't have to wait for the payoff. He dumped chemicals down the river. A few years later, boom, you got toxic right, fish. Got it. Cool. I get it. Let's you know, it, it, it's setting up the plot in a sentence. And I love plots like that. I love it because, you know, in video games, uh, some of the video games early yeah, on, yeah. Um, that was the plot. It was a sentence like, oh, aliens have invaded. Cool. Don't need to know how. Don't need to know where. Just, it's just don't care. Right. Let's get exactly. right to the it goes ba- it go- it precisely. <laughs> it goes back to the thing you and I talk about a lot on this show, which is like not over-logicking bullshit. Like you don't. The, the formaldehyde went in and a fucking monster went out. came out. That's all you need to know. Also, heads up, this is based on, here's a fun fact. Uh, truly, this was based on, uh, in 2000, an American science, scientist named Albert McFarland did order 480 bottles of formaldehyde to be poured down the drain at a U.S. military base in South Korea. And the incident caused a riot led by a group called Green Korea United against U.S. involvement in South Korea. So we did it. <laughs> uh, so we have that. That's the mu- the movie starts, I guess, based on this real thing that this uh, this McFarland character had uh, all of these bottles of formaldehyde poured into the Han River. 
Uh, but then we go forward to 2006, and that's where we have uh, Park Gang Du, played by Song Kang Ho, who is the guy that we just talked to, we just sang praises of, and he runs a uh, snack bar along the, the the Han River with his dad. Mm-hmm. And this was also a cool setup too, because you don't really see a movie based on. Uh, you know, like a, a small, it's, this would be like lower class, I think, or, or like lower yeah, middle class, sure. maybe, um, where they're just like, you know, they're, they're, they're living modest means, modest living. And, but, but it's a perfect setup because the snack bar is right by the yeah. Han River. And right out the gates, you go, you cut from the fisherman who found this weird fish with a bunch of tails to you've got the creature. Immediately in like one of the first, I'd say in the first yeah, 10 well, minutes of the movie, great. you see the creature. And, and I love, there was, he did such a great, um, like such a great fake out because he talks about like the squid uh, that the, the, like the guy's dad is, uh, is like, hey, deliver a squid to Matt for. And then he goes and he goes like to fry it up. And then his dad comes back and he's like, did you eat one of the legs off this squid? Cause one's missing. And he's like, no. And so you think it's going to start like, you think it's going to be like more squids. They all don't have one tentacle. Da, 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 da. And it's like, nope, the fucking monster's coming straight out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah, exactly. And, and also meanwhile, um, you had a scene where, he goes to you know inside the little trailer to watch um his sister yeah his sister do, yeah is am i jumping yeah his his sister do a uh she's she's an she's kind of like a competitive yeah uh, she's a badass and so then and he has his daughter with him who is who will be obviously very instrumental in this film too and so and she is really excited because she loves she loves her aunt she like made something for her for this like archery competition that's on TV. Uh, and we start to get the whole family dynamics and they do this so efficiently. That's the other thing. This is so fucking efficient. Yes. Like I get it right away. Like, like you said, George, lower class family, lower middle class. We have the one brother that's a slacker or like we have two brothers that are slackers. But once one was like a college grad, we have the sister that's doing well, but she's still, like she always, uh, they they say she has trouble letting go at the last second. She runs out the time on the on the competition, yes. which was such I, a good foreshadowing. Oh my god, I loved it. Yeah, it's very good foreshadowing. And also, here's something that you can pay attention to when you have a a well written script, a competently written script. So there's something like if you're not a screenwriter, there's something that you have to get get out, which is some exposition, which is. Um, you know, the basics, like what's the relationship of these characters to one another? Where do they work? What, uh, what are their lives like? Well, there's a number of ways to do that. The ham, the ham fisted ways do you just literally just say like, oh, uh, hi, I'm your brother, <laughs> which, which sounds bizarre, or you have to like, uh, but the clever way to do it is to add information in, in just casual lines of dialogue that let you know who they are. So in this archery scene, uh, he said, that uh, he said, oh, oh, I can't watch my daughter. I get too yeah. nervous. So that's just in that real quick, just that one simple line, you understand the relationship between the, the father and the daughter. And also it tells you something about, you know, this has been something that's been going on for a while. Like she's always um, uh, reluctant to let go of the of the, uh, of the quiver. It's so at the last good. And, and just think about, well, like we're talking about this. Go back through a bunch of the movies you've seen just in the past, like, one to two years and how they've taken so much more real estate to establish stuff where you're like, there's to establish relationships and stuff like that. Where in this one, you had one scene where you knew who this family was. And then we got straight to the fucking monster. Like what the hell? That was yeah. amazing. Yeah. Immediately after that, the monster is hanging from a bridge, almost like a snot. <laughs> and it is such a cool you know, it's like slinking down and it's uh, everyone just kind of stares at it. And they're like, what is that? Is that a crane? Yeah. It, it almost looks like a garbage bag, like a long garbage bag or something. And you're like, what is that gross thing hanging upside down from the yep. bridge? And it slinks into the river and immediately someone decides. And this is just kind of a great, a great pa- a parallel of the opening scene of the movie where they're pouring stuff, you know, polluting the river. 
someone throws a can of beer inside right. the river. And that's the first time the monster kind of, uh, it snatches it and eats it. And they're like, wow, let's throw more stuff. And they just start Look throwing junk oh, and garbage into the river. Wild. I loved it that they're like, okay, yeah, let's see what happens. And then he then he comes out of the river and it's fucking on. And he gallops like like you said, like a, like a dog. I almost felt like it was like, he was at this point when he's really galloping, it felt like a, like a wolf. Like there was... Like now there's some there's some sophistication when he was like hunting, you know, he's like galloping crazily at some points. But then while he's running through the crowd looking for things to take, looking for people to take, he starts getting really pointed, which I thought was another great like that's an animal instinct sort of thing. Like he's on the hunt. He becomes very sleek. Yeah, it was such a cool um, there were so many cool shots here where. The monster is running and rather than to show the monster running from like behind you or whatever, which is just a classic uh, kind of shot, he um, he decided to show the monster running parallel to people because there's so much chaos and pandemonium. Everyone's running every which way just to run away from this thing. And it is just like, uh, I, I don't know, I just keep thinking of a wet dog <laughs> running around and you're trying to catch. Yeah, you're trying to catch it, except this one's trying to catch you. And everybody is freaking out because it's giant. And, uh, and it has a demogorgon it, it mouth. Scary. Like, it's disgusting. And to your point about the pandemonium thing, something something I thought he did super well. Well, first of all, he does some, like, really classic great shit that you, you would just want to see in a type of film like this. Where it's like the girl, like, picking her nails, listening to classical. And then and then he just comes through, like, steps on her face. And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. And then also, I just liked the general pandemonium of, like, they like dogs turn on their masters. Like, did you see the dog starts like attacking a guy and starts pulling at his pants? Yeah, I remember that shot, and I thought that was an interesting. Uh, you know, it, I don't think uh, that came back, but the dog did start biting its its uh, master. I thought, I thought that, that was cool because it's just basically essentially like 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 what a perfect display of pandemonium. Like that's just you know like yeah. the hierarchy is is toppled. And then our main guy uh Park Gangdu, he grabs his daughter or he he thinks he grabs his daughter cuz his daughter comes out of the trailer when he's gone down and she sees that his beer which he's offered her, he's offered her a beer earlier, a mm-hmm. height. Great beer by the way. Do you ever drink height? Love Great height. beer. You got to try height. I love height. It's it's so good so with fresh. um fried chicken. Yeah, it's really yeah. good stuff. And then so he he grabs Hyunseo, his daughter, and he runs. And this actually, I had to rewind for a minute because I got really confused because he did this so well. He grabs her and runs and then realizes he grabbed, he didn't grab her. He grabbed a different girl and his daughter's back there. And that was like definitely the first part. That was like when my, I, I did not expect this. I did not expect this. And I was just completely engaged. And then the monster comes and grabs her with his tentacle. And he just takes her and goes back into the river. And it was like, what the fuck? And so then we thought he was dead. We thought she was dead, right? Like, I thought she was dead. Yeah, I thought that too. And this is also one of the first times in a movie in a long time I've seen where you think, Oh man, this is this got real. Yeah. You you start to grow an attachment for these characters. You're like, oh, and first of all, nothing ever ba- bad bad ever happens. Kid. To the kid. Exactly. Ooh. I thought the same thing. I was like, what the fuck? That never happens. It just like completely upended your expectations right away. Yeah, it got really dark and really just kind of like that was a very gripping moment. And then juxtaposed to um almost immediately after that. Like very shortly after they they put a bunch of people who who got into contact with the monster into a camp and, and in right. quarantine basically because they they think that this monster it may have had a virus or something that it's spreading to these people so they put him in quarantine and juxtapose that scene of him watching his daughter sink into the river as he as he as the monster carries it across and basically he's like eating humans right. it's very it's very gruesome to juxtapose that with. Uh, uh, I thought this was, I don't know if it was intentional, but I thought it was kind of a hysterical how, um, how uh, you know, they, they went right from that into the quarantine camp well, they go- where they were doing this really over-the-top kind of grief. Yeah, I, I thought, thought. Well, they were, well, uh, they, oh, you mean like the grief at the mass funeral? 
Yeah, the mass oh, funeral. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the the brother comes in and is so dramatic. The other brother comes in and is like, I think I think collective yeah. grief is. I don't know. I I I, I can't speak to that. For, but I feel like it goes different per, per culture. So I have no idea whether that's a satirical thing or not. But the the brother, the other brother coming in, who is the <laughs> who's the college grad. Oh, also, this guy is my hunk of the movie. The, I thought this guy was real cute. Uh, yeah, oh, well, yeah. Uh, the college grad who is a political activist <laughs> and is unemployed. And it's just like a classic millennial. Basically, I was like, oh, he's got a good <laughs> education and he can't pay for anything because he can't get a job. And he comes in with that. Yeah, he comes in with the hardcore grief and the sister comes in, too. And she's devastated because she came in with her bronze and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and this was actually a pretty sad moment. She brought yeah. the bronze and she said, hey, I won this for you. And that's when she really starts to break down. But then um, Park Park also starts to break down. But he kind of does this weird, like he falls down and then kind of like starts spinning around yeah. on the floor, um, which I thought was pretty over the top. And, and then all the reporters noticed and they just ran over and started yes. taking pictures and stuff. Yeah, I so, think that's And then the, the father top, started. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That And that's that's when I thought, wow, this is, I don't know if this they were doing this like over the top for comedic effect to break things up but i thought it was a, an interesting scene and um i mean the pace of this movie is just everything just goes so quickly like okay boom then we got the reporters and then you've you've got people coming in from the government in in hazmat suits and they're trying to find people who've touched and they're or like come just come with, with us come with. i thought this also just for the time uh i thought this was so hilariously astute where it's like like people come in in hazmat suits and they're like uh hey so anybody that was in contact with the monster has to come with uh can you raise your hand can you come with? and like <laughs> eventually the dad's like don't raise your hand and he's like why <laughs> and then they're like because you have to come with us because it's so sketchy it's like somebody in a hazmat suit comes in and it's like um would you kindly raise your hand if you came in contact with this thing i'd be like no nah, i'm not raising yeah. your hand and so then then park though admits uh uh Dung he admits that he got its blood on his face because during the um, battle with this, the first battle with this uh, monster, he like takes a, um, like a cement parking like pole thing and stabs it in the tail and splatter some of its blood on it. And he works together with like an American military dude during that fight. Yeah, that guy right. dies. That American military dude, he dies, but he becomes um, like a martyr in this film. He becomes kind of like this weird thread throughout the movie where they keep reporting on this guy, the American military guy, because um, he loses his arm and then eventually dies. But yeah, they, they, it is very sketchy. You have these guys in hazmat suits taking people away, and it's it's they're separating families and they're pay, they're they taking put them in a bag to uh, park in a bag. <laughs> yeah, in a big, almost like a big. Uh, imagine if a hazmat suit was a cop. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> That's what they put him in. Yeah, and then next next scene, they're in a hospital, and there's people with lesions and weird like you know sores and things like that. And th- it went into a different direction than I thought it would, but uh, they were yeah they were testing people. I thought this would be. An actual virus kind of pandemic. I thought so too. I thought where the creature was. was. The host. I thought Park Gong Du was going to be the host. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I was. I was kind of curious about that the whole the whole movie, but uh, uh, because because they do uh, kind of a misdirect. He does say he scratches back. He says it feels like something is wiggling inside. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So there's this really interesting. It's like and and that's the funny. The thing is, is like it generated hysteria too. Like from from on from what they wanted like from what will be revealed later uh and he gets a call though so like while he's in there he gets a call from his daughter because she she's like and she tells him that she's trapped in the sewers with the creature but then her phone breaks out right like breaks up and right and 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 by the way this they foreshadowed even that early on in the movie he hands uh, his daughter comes up and the first thing she says to him is like the cell phone is crap it barely works yes. you can barely hear me and and of course that's not a throwaway line that's such good foreshadowing because that comes into play in the plot a very significant part because she's trapped by this monster she's carried away she's in a sewer somewhere and she calls and there's this like really crappy staticky mm-hmm. phone call where she says help me i'm in the sewer please come now and that's that sets in motion the next uh, 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 scene, the next act in this, yeah. in this movie, which is them 
trying to convince, first of all, the doctors and the scientists and the authorities that, hey, I got this phone call, but nobody believes him because, first of all, he's not the most convincing. He's not the I mean, most he's persuasive. Basically he's basically like slow. Homer he's not- Simpson. <laughs> like this guy is yeah. Homer Simpson with bleached blonde hair. Yeah, he's he's kind of like he's kind of like a sad, a little bit sullen, like uh, Homer Simpson. Like he's he's. He's slow, but you feel so much sympathy for him. I mean, like you want you're, you're really rooting oh, for this guy. A hundred percent. And and immediately with like you see how much he loves his daughter. And then also just like that immediate like sense of guilt that it's like, yeah, I gave her that crappy cell phone. Like all of the things where it's like he's done this. Basically, you get this insinuation that everything he's done in his life so far has been half-assed and then he's about to commit fully to his life yeah and so they have to they try to convince the authorities nobody believes them they say okay this guy's delusional you said your daughter's dead and he's he he's so like there's a scene where he's trying to convince an authority he said your daughter is listed as uh as dead and he says, oh, no, it's listed as deceased, but not dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, have this, they have this little semantic argument where the guy's kind of staring, the, the officer is staring so at him weird. like, you know, you realize that that's the same word, right? Uh, <laughs> and he doesn't. So then. Dad comes um, to the rescue. They, yeah, dad comes yep. to the rescue. He's like, he, he bong gets, I loved this sequence, by the way. This is just like, this was just fun. This felt like the, the, the thing that Bong Joon-ho does too, that is, is one of my favorite things is that he gives it, he does, he does both a, he gives it the horror flair, but he also gives it a Spielberg flair. Things like where it's just like, oh, all right, now we're on a big old adventure. This is crazy. Right? Like, so he gets this car and he get, and he pays these like basically these four gangsters <laughs> to get them out and get them a map of the sewers. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, very cool. The the dad knows some some uh, you know some shadier characters in the underbelly of of Korea, and he they they get guns, they get the map of the sewers, and then they get a van. And the van just happens to be the perfect type of van for the situation because it is a transport van that they use, it's like a white van that they use for like hazmat type right. stuff, right? So. That gets them a lot of traction in this movie, so they're able to go into because they've this this area has been cordoned off. That everybody's afraid. They think that there's a virus going around, very apropos of our times. But they're also afraid of the monsters, so they have to sneak into this quarantine zone, this this demilitarized zone, to try to find the daughter. And then this sets in motion the part of the movie where they're just going from location to location, running through sewers calling out her name in vain, trying to find yes. the daughter. And, yeah, so they go, and then there's this really interesting sequence when they sneak into the the base where it's like with the, with the van <laughs> where like the guy stops them and this, the, like this interaction, I was a little confused during this interaction, but that he basically like, they talk about the competition, like that there was, competition between companies to get to be the ones that did the disinfectant yeah they talked about the bureau the bureaucracy of just even the disinfection uh you know going in cleaning up this mess whatever there's bureaucracy even at that level and the guy uh you know he he quizzes he kind of grills the family coming in with this van he's like who sent you where'd you come from and he's (laughs) trying to answer in in as few words as possible and right (laughs) before that too (laughs) <laughs> the son gets paranoid and he says what if they uh they say that you know they ask who you are and the father says we'll just say they sent multiple teams and so, <laughs> so then the guy you know sure enough it comes up and the guy's like who sent you and he's like we're another team <laughs> yep and the guy's like uh, what? And it's like the whole thing and then they just then he starts to question things and then <laughs> gung Zhu just gives him this like <laughs> this jar of like dimes that he had from earlier he like pays them off with yeah, a the- bag that like a jar of dimes that's put slammed into a plastic bag yeah, and basically this is Park's entire life savings. Like this is all he's got is like this. It's basically like a ramen noodle uh, bowl full <laughs> of dimes, and he gives it to the he gives it to the general, the the officer, or whatever, as a bribe. And the officer's just standing there. He's like, "What am I going to do with this bowl of dimes?" <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. It's fantastic. Yeah, so they drive off. They don't get too much grief, um, and they're able to run around looking for the daughter through the sewers, and. This is kind of a heartbreaking thing. Like, it's just, you can feel their grief. You can feel their agony of just, like, going, like, the hopelessness of going through the entire Korean uh, uh, sewer system. 
Absolutely. And I think there's something, uh, there's something that I felt like they touched upon in this, the, um, that I really related to. And I, and I'm, I'm guessing it was intentional because this is the case across, uh, so many countries right now, but they, you know, like there's three kids and only one of them has one kid. So, like everybody loves the heck out of this kid. And because the, you know, like birth rates are declining worldwide and my family is the exact same dynamic. There are three of us. And then my only one of my brothers had, has had kids and just the one. And so we are like obsessed with my niece. We're completely obsessed with her. And, and I think I I related really strongly to this because I'm like, Oh, also like the, the torch carrier is, are just they're fewer now like you know we people have fewer kids now so like the the amount of uh, that they are so precious is like increased right and especially the one that gets kidnapped in this movie because she you you fall she's very endearing yeah, they, she's very great adorable, casting, right from great the start casting. of the movie yeah really good casting so they're looking around for her and then meanwhile this is like another subplot that that kind of pops up but there's two homeless boys mm-hmm. who are searching for food and they kind of break into um, basically like a I snack thought, stand and are able to I thought, get a bunch of... Was it our snack stand? Yeah. Was it like the snack stand? I don't, uh, I don't think one? it was... Um, yeah, I don't think it was the same one. I think it was. Uh, I think it was a different one because we see the family in it uh, too. At, at a, right. At oh yeah. Oh right. 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 Yeah. I just got a little confused. Okay. Got it. So yeah. So you have these kids who uh, break into the snack stand, and you know, even this like uh, comes back uh, later in the movie because. Uh, one of the kids, well, at, then at some point, like the monster does come back up from the uh, from the depths. And this is the first time they've encountered the monster. Uh, so they know they're they're kind of close, but they're the uh, you know, they still haven't found the daughter. But the monster comes up and starts um, charging yeah. at these kids and grabs one of the, the homeless. Yeah, that guys. was crazy. I did not expect that. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And then he takes him down there and one one is dead. Um, the The older one, I think. Right. Yeah, the older one yeah. is dead, and then the younger one, though he he's alive, and the uh, our our hero, the daughter, uh, Hyunseo, is she she grabs him and she like commits to protecting this. I mean, she's only a child herself, but she commits to protecting this little kid, which is I I loved that. I just I thought that was so fantastic. I thought it was such a great choice. Right. She shields him. Uh, she finds like a little hiding area and um, she she kind of like shows shows him like how to stay safe from the monster. And the this pit has a bunch of people. The monster keeps like bringing people back into this pit, barfing them up. And most of them are dead. But Hyansu uh, uh, runs over and to every new body that, that drops, she checks it for cell phones. And none of the cell phones have worked. She checks it for anything she can use to try to escape. And this, there's a very, I, I loved this scene so much because it's so real and it feels um, just ever relevant to us because we are going through the exact same thing right now. They have the scene where the two of them are talking to each other and they're just having a very real, very normal conversation about what foods they yeah. make. And they talk about, you know, and I just love seeing their faces because they, they lit they, up. Yeah. It, it seems so genuine they, they lit up when they were talking about their favorite foods the kid was like boy i can't wait to get out of here and and have some some food eggs. uh he said he <laughs> talked about how much yeah he wanted hard-boiled eggs and ramen and he couldn't believe like she the girl the girl hansio worked at, um, at the snack you know, stand, the, the snack stand. <laughs> yeah and he's like what you work at a snack stand you probably eat ramen every day <laughs> like the kid couldn't even imagine how much food there was at the snack stand because he's, obviously he's homeless but what what really was relevant to to the times and and to us in particular is because we're all having that conversation 100%. right now. We're talking about the foods we miss, the things we miss, because we're all under quarantine. We can't go out and live our normal yeah. It's life. so it's so wild, and it's like the yeah is it, it really like leveled it and put them in that same position that we're all in right now. That it's just going and and, and of course this is you know, 15 years, almost 15, almost 15 years old, a film, but like he nailed it. He nailed what that feels like. I think he nailed that better than a lot of apocalypse type movies and a lot of monster movies. Like he just really got those little, all of the tiny little things about this. I was like, yeah, that's true. Well, that turned out to be right. (laughs) Yeah. And then we have the, um, the, then we get the, so there she's protecting him 
and he's you know he's staying in there and i thought this is another another interesting thing that bong jun ho does with this movie too is that he at first like this monster is just putting those bodies down there and you're not quite sure and she's alive right and there's some people that are like most people are dead or, or like severely like injured, you know, or whatever. And then, and you're like, but why are they all down here? Like, what's the, what's the deal with this? And you're still kind of wondering if there is this virus thing, right? You're like, is he just injecting right. them with this virus or something? And then they're going to go back out. Is that what the turn is going to be or whatever? And then uh, after the parks, after this next part where the parks, uh, they encounter him and they shoot him until they run out of ammunition. And he, he like they they do this whole big thing in terms of trying to save uh Hyun Seo and they shoot at it until they run out of ammo and the daughter is about to shoot her arrow at him and they're like what are you doing don't and they get her they push her out of the way and then he the dad again i did not expect this but he bong gets killed he gets killed and also this is important but um because it it just piles on to how much guilt that Park is feeling. But he, the dad, right before he gets killed, asks anyone on the team, and he says, does anyone still have any ammunition? And Park says, I have one shot left. He hands his dad the shotgun. Right. The dad charges towards the monster, courageously expecting to blast it in the face at, at uh, point-blank range, which may have done something. But as he pulls the trigger, click. Nothing happens because he's out of ammo. And then he cut to Park, counting on his fingers the number of shots he took and, and he, he miscounted that was brutal that fucking broke my heart and yeah it's it's so it was so brutal because the monster then fl- uh, flicks the dad with its tail bashes him and he dies and it's a it's a very sad scene and you think holy cow this is like one one per- one of our leads in this movie has exactly. just died and maybe yeah. the daughter and yeah the dad, that dad is like a true like he is a true hero throughout this entire film. And he also, Oh, and, and to your, to your previous point about the types of conversations, he has that really great conversation with them in the snack shop the night before they encounter him when they're like basically stalking this monster. Uh, and he talks yes. to, uh, so, so Gang Du falls asleep. And so then he talks to Namju and um, Nam Il and he's like, He's like, you know, your brother was the smart. <laughs> I loved this conversation. He's like, you know, he was the smart one growing up. People would walk by him and sitting in front of the market and they'd ask him directions because he looked so smart. <laughs> I love mm-hmm. that. So they were just like, okay. And it's just like basically just three, like this dad that had big hopes for his family and essentially like two slackers and one girl that like keeps like ever, all three of his kids kind of are are people that are whiffing it like in general a little bit you know like the highest achiever is still like whiffing it on the time when she's pulling her arrow back and yep. getting the bronze so it's really it's really cool because there's a like a full he he cares about his kids deeply and you get this really great conversation and then and then you're really poised for this redemptive arc for all three of them all three of them yeah which i thought now because as we go to the climax i was like i wonder how they're going to take care of all three of them and they do they do like he hits that all three of them have these awesome and that's where it's spielberg to me and i loved it yeah really um just really powerful storytelling so um shortly after this uh the the older brother the college the college age guy namil uh meets an old friend of his who's able to who has access to some uh, some government records to be able to trace this phone call that was placed by, uh, by uh, yeah. Um, so they're able, so he goes up to this office, but it turns out that it's a Dang. setup. His old friend is going to try to cash him and try to turn him in for the reward. And uh, thankfully he's able to find her location. He writes it down on the map at the last second. And just as he gets ambushed by his old uh, friend, who he thought was his friend. We see how and smart he they is. try to capture him. We're, yeah. Yeah, there was, yeah, exactly. So they try to capture him. He's able to escape, because thankfully. He does a, and he, I thought this was just really, this was just really, really smart and cool. He like, he sees them and they're like, they've said he's like slippery. And that's the thing. It's like, we haven't seen that out of this guy at all. We haven't seen him be slippery. We've seen him be a total fucking dud this whole film. And then, and, but then they're like, yeah, he's slippery. They, we also, a uh, really great piece of exposition on the reward to catch them. They do like, they just use it on the, 
on the uh, thing that's posted on the wall of the sewer, basically, or on the wall of the subway sort of thing that's like deceased, caught. Um, and then there's the reward thing. But this kid, the whole time, you're just like, I guess he went to college, but he's useless. Then when they're ambushing him, he takes a paper clip, jams it against a plug, and then puts it into a, uh, into a, uh, a power strip. And of course, it shorts out everything. I just thought that was like, I was like, oh, shit. This kid's really, this guy's actually pretty smart after all. I, I thought that was so smart. Bit yeah. of ingenuity, yeah. That was a really cool, that was a really cool scene. Um, so he escapes and then he hangs off of a, kind of like an overpass because he's trying to escape these coworkers and the police uh, who are looking for him and he drops and kind of hurts his leg. So he's, he's kind of MIA and he just in his like, you know, as he's about to pass out, he texts his sister the location of Hyun Siu uh, the phone call and she learns about it and she she goes over to that right. location. So and then yeah. they uh, they also that th- during this um, so now that we've we've figured out the location, he's gotten this location out. And meanwhile, Gong Du is talks. He's still in that hospital and he talks. He's talking to these doctors and he overhears this American scientist say they dropped the bomb on us that there is no virus. And it was made up so that right. people wouldn't like figure it out that it was done by these Americans dumping stuff. And th- and they're like, we're going to lobotomize Gangdu is what they say. But I guess he doesn't get this. I also I thought that was a little confused because it seems like he gets lobotomized, but apparently he doesn't. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened. I, I, I thought like maybe they lobotomize him, but it actually like improved his brain. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. If that's the case, if you guys know what the deal is there, please tweet at us. Cause I do want to know like that. I, if that's the case, that's dope as hell. I love it. Cause then he does, he gets like aggressive afterwards. He finishes. He's like, yeah, he gets, he goes into Hulk mode and just like bashes his way through the hospital by holding a nurse hostage, threatening to infect her with the virus, which is also interesting because they know there isn't a virus. Um, but still he's holding a syringe full of blood or something. No one wants to get right. stabbed with that. They don't so, know. Uh, it seems like so there's then, only a couple of scientists that know that there's not a virus. It seems like it's just those, yeah, that oh, was just like right, that American right. doctor talking to that one Korean doctor. Like it was like nobody else really yeah. knew. And so this is also a scene I really want to talk about is, um, they, they announce over the news that the Americans have developed something called yes. agent yellow, very, you know, a very tip and a nod to Agent Orange yep. from the Vietnam era. But they said this Agent L- Yellow is supposed to kill everything, every biological organism within a certain radius. And they're going to, un- un- you know, they're going to fumigate the entire area that this creature was in to- in hopes of killing it. And this creates a huge uproar in uh, society. Everyone's saying, well, this is this sounds terrible. They're saying, like, the cure is worse than, mm-hmm. than the, uh, the, the virus. And people are starting to protest this thing. But there's a scene where a bunch of people are standing outside wearing face masks at a bus stop. And one guy starts coughing really heavily. And everyone kind of distances themselves. This felt so... I'm so glad you brought this up. Everybody, go watch this scene. Again, even if you've seen this movie five million times, just go watch it right now because it's so fucking relevant. Also, face masks everywhere in this movie. Yeah, everyone's wearing face masks. It feels very relevant. And they, this guy starts coughing. Everyone st- takes a step away from him. And then he spits uh, as he spits into the gutter. And just as a, a bus passes by and splashes everybody yep. standing there. So everybody is like freaking out. But um, yeah, the, anyway, so the government is going to unveil this Agent Yellow. And people are starting to protest. Meanwhile, um, the sister and uh, the... the, the uh, the the older brother, the college brother, they do find uh, Hyunsu's uh, uh, location right. eventually. Right, and they find they find it, and there's uh, and in the meantime, Hyunsu has cleverly made a rope from clothes and gotten it over a grate that she's going to use to get uh, her and the little kid out of the hole. Siju, and uh, but then she she realizes that that. As, as she's getting it together, like, she thinks it's asleep. She throws a beer can at it. It doesn't do anything. And then she has to make this. This killed me. I was like, oh, my God. Because she, the rope's not tall enough or uh, it does not long enough for them to just hold on to. They're about to piggyback. The, the And this is where the monster really takes the turn to, like, terrifying to me. Because then he starts spinning out fucking bones. It gets real here. It stops being just like, oh, this monster is just swallowing people. But you actually see 
the full ramifications. Yes. Yeah, of this of like what this creature's doing. Like these oh no, these people are dying. They're not just unconscious, yes. they are dying. They're he is yeah, digesting like, them. Basically, as yeah. soon as and I thought this was so fucking smart because it's as soon as the, the virus bullshit is pulled off the table, they're like he's like barfing bones. He's like, Yeah, that's right. I'm eating these people. And you're like, oh my God. And you and you've spent this whole movie not really knowing. So you're not even you don't even know if you really hate this monster or what at this point. Like you're like, I don't know. And then at that point I'm like, I want that little girl to get out and I want her to live so bad. And she goes to run up over the monster. And as she jumps up for the for the rope that she's created, she stops and we see that he has his tentacle around her. Uh huh. Because I was looking at her too. She seems so calm climbing this rope, and I'm like, "There's no way this little girl has the upper body." That's what I thought too. To pull herself up, yeah. And also, especially after like two or three days without eating food, she must be so tired and hungry. But uh, then that that reveal of the tongue holding her was just creepy. Yeah. And then, um, so meanwhile, we also have the older brother, the college, uh, the college brother, uh, Nam Il who was making Molotov cocktails to try to confront in the back of monster. a cab <laughs> in the back of a cab. The cab, the, yeah, the cab driver's like, so uh, you guys protest. Often? <laughs> yeah, that was great. There's just like this very neutral conversation where he's just like, got his mask on. He's driving and he's like, mm, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. There's a lot of protesters out. <laughs> Cause nobody wants yeah. that agent yellow. Room, so, so there's also this uprising in the city. Right. So, so the movie all hit, heads to this one big climactic scene where you got the protesters outside. You've got this crane holding this this uh, canister of Agent Yellow that they're starting to spray. And everyone's protesting, saying, don't do it, don't do it. The monster comes up out of the water, carrying uh, Hyansio. And you don't see the homeless boy. The homeless boy is also missing. But uh, uh, the monster comes you up out of the water. Hand. You see and her little they hand. Start, that's right. You see her hand in the monster's mouth. And so uh, Park and everyone is running over towards the monster, trying to attack it. And Nam Il's throwing Molotov cocktails at the Yeah, but monster, by the way, Molotov cocktails it. that he got with the help of a homeless man he met under the bridge. Let us not forget. That's right. Because this homeless yeah. man's going to come in very clutch soon. Yeah, yeah. So he's throwing Molotov cocktails. Everyone is missing him just by, a, you know, a hair. The creature clearly doesn't like heat. It's like trying to really avoid. This is the first time I've seen the creature like really worried about something. So he's trying to avoid heat. He's running around. And... With his last Molotov cocktail, he really gets a good, uh, you know, he winds up ready to throw it. And then, of course, like a parallel of Park, he drops it kind of like cl- a klutzy move. Oh and I'm God. like, oh, God, how but did you this know happen? what? And you know what, yeah, though, George? I was so I have to say this was like about to be my favorite part of the whole the whole film, because. Uh, this was another Spielberg moment where I'm like, are you serious? Like, I thought he was going to, I really thought he was going to throw that Molotov cocktail after the homeless man dumps gas all over the thing, which by the way, was a great commentary That's on right. class stuff. Like he, he would blow this homeless man off normally, but then he, the homeless man ends up becoming like the most helpful person in this whole film to all of these yep. people. And then uh, I, I was like, oh, he's going to throw the Molotov cocktail and that'll take care of it. We're not going to use the archer. We're not going to use like our incredible archer that like hits the bullseye every time. Really? And then he drops it and I was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, she's got to do it. She's got to do yeah. it. Yeah. And then she comes in and Nam saves Ju. the day. Namju takes, you know, she takes an arrow and like pokes, I think the cork or something. Yeah. From the bottle still on fire. And the still on fire aims it at the monster. And you're, you're, you're just, you're so expecting her to not let go because that's her pattern in this movie but finally she redeems herself her her full redemption arc happens she lets go hits the monster right in the eye the monster explodes flames because it's covered in gasoline and this is such a cool just a visceral scene where the monster's screaming and and writhing like staggering towards the river and you think he's gonna get away but as he passes that last Uh um part under the bridge from behind that comes Gangdu. Yep, and he's carrying uh, basically a makeshift. He, he gets a pole, similar to what he, he had. Stabs at the, the monster. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh it's basically like a uh, like a, a crosswalk sign or something that he he uh, removes the concrete from, so he can use it to stab the monster in the throat. The monster finally uh, gives up and 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 keels over, and then. Park, this is a, a very, um, you know, very kind of sad scene, but he sees his daughter's hand in its throat. So he pulls on it and she was shielding the homeless boy. Um, she, he pulls her out and unfortunately she's passed that she couldn't, you know, she probably suffocated. But 
the boy just barely made it alive. And we kind of end the movie in this very like tender moment where the boy becomes his Yeah, his son. and that they live they stay living in the the snack shop. It's the only one left on the river and basically he just keeps an eye out for like you get this you get this idea that as the snow falls, a different season, he he will always keep an eye on the river. He's always going to stay there as it's like eternal protector. Yeah, and it's it's a very um, tender moment too. I really love this last scene because he kind of shows this really wide shot of the snack shop with snow mm-hmm. falling, and it's so it seems so lonely and so isolated, and yet inside there's these two souls sitting enjoying a, a meal of and you know, all, snacks that they have. All the things this. that the little kid wanted yeah. too. There was like the eggs. There was all. Of, it's all yeah. the things that yeah. And the kid is like happy eating, and they have the news. And the kid, yeah, the last yeah. thing he says is, "This news is terrible. Turn off the TV." And they did, and that's like I would say honestly, we should all we be, should doing, all that. be doing, doing is turning. I'm off telling the you, TV. every time I open Twitter when it's not for our podcast, I am like, why? I open it, I look for two seconds, and I go, "Why did I open this? This is fucking nasty." <laughs> like the the news is yeah. bad. People are still like putting up mean takes on shit i was like how are people still staying petty and mean in the middle of this like i'm I'm out and so i've been like i've been i've been reading a lot more books been reading a lot more books watching movies playing animal crossing playing just dance 2020 george listen hey just dance 2020 i'll be uh I'll I'll treat that like the other just dances. Not <laughs> <laughs> oh come on, you got the rhythm. You've got flow, George. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Haley. That is by far the most generous thing. Generous compliment. <laughs> I'm a, I have very I, generous. I've never danced in my life, and and I thought I I stunk at it, but I think I think this is what people with like Guitar Hero felt the same like that wished they had played guitar and I'm like I wish I had danced and now as long as I can kind of keep up with the rhythm I'm like I'm a star <laughs> you know what though I I will say that when whenever I've played any kind of like dance um dance revolution or whatever type uh, games what, what's the game you just you dance just 2020 oh yeah just dance I played the just I played a couple of just dance early on and if I play against someone who can actually dance I will always win because I, I will frustrate them because I know how video games work. I know what it's looking yeah. for. I, I always hit the mark. Yes. Whereas, whereas my friends are like actually, <laughs> you know, they're actually dancing well. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, the, the game can't really read your actual dancing skills. You're dancing way better than me, but I'm hitting the mark. So I know how 100%. to get the high score. That's what I do. Like there's, there's one dance. I, I've got this one K-pop song down really well, but there's, you get the bonus points on this one move and it never has it exactly time. It, it never has it. Uh, uh, placed to where like it's supposed to be like touching your mouth but it never gets it when I place it on my mouth so I have to like put it directly onto my nose <laughs> and I'm like yeah a true dancer <laughs> would be like no I'm putting it on my mouth and I'm like no I'm getting the points I'm putting it on my nose <laughs> damn straight yep 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 well exactly. uh George this was awesome I'm so glad that we picked this one um I mean the it is so relevant in these times uh you know the like who who you could trust about this stuff, who you can't, uh, you know, face masks everywhere. Um, I mean, in our case, the virus is very real. Uh, the virus is the monster. Uh, but the reactions, I would say, are the thing that like are that's that's the thing that's very uh, similar between these two. Uh, and the monster was fucking dope. Yeah, very cool monster. This is one of the coolest. Like they did such a good job with this monster. I never got tired of looking at it. It was uh, every time I looked at the monster, I noticed something new, um, like a new fin, a new tail, another eye, something with its teeth. There was so much cool stuff. Going yeah, on. I completely agree. I, I loved it. And I loved how also Hyun Tio is holding on to his tooth at the end. Like, like that's so freaking yeah. brave. Uh, uh, and uh, before we go, uh, we have uh, a couple. We, we said this time, you know, we're going to get some guests. Uh, coming up, you know, we had to get in the kitchen as as Cher Horowitz would say in Clueless, we had to get back into the kitchen and rearrange some things uh, because of the quarantine. So um, we're going to have our guests coming up in uh, in our future eps now that we've got our, our setup set. But in the meantime, we asked you guys to submit the name of your kaiju so that our artists can take it away. And I, I thought we got two really good submissions. So I'm going to I'm going to read them off. Uh, 
if that's good for you. Yeah. Okay. So first we have one from our uh, uh, great super fan, Adam Falcone. Uh, and he has mm-hmm. one that's, uh, it looks like it's, uh, it's either Malabrous or Macabrous. You can go look at. I think it's Macabrous. Okay, okay, great. Yeah. And he has, he has an initial sketch there. So it's got like some, uh, like kind of claws, like, like crab claws and tentacles and a dope, like dino face with fangs and big old teeth. And he like, looks. And a visor. He almost looks like the uh, Chester Cheetah. <laughs> he looks like a kind of a cool, like a cool yeah. guy, dude, like a Chester Cheetah with Hell a visor. Yeah. And then we also yeah. have one from uh, uh, another super fan, Carl Richter, uh, Ru Kangu, which I love that. A gigantic, ratty, four-armed kangaroo kaiju with nasty fangs, a sounding strength, and the ability to leap to leap miles and spawn small versions of itself from its pouch at will. Plus its tail is prehensile and has retractable bone spikes. So, I mean, like this is an embarrassment of riches for our artists. So, I mean, let's go. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Um, Yeah. And I just, I I read that uh, Adam drew that sketch in junior high school. So that's that's uh, really like super talented for that, for that age, especially Uh, it's talented. I talented for now, honestly. (laughs) Um, Well, cool. Uh, George, should we, should we tell the people where they can find us? That's right. If you want to follow us uh, and send us your kaiju suggestions or just keep up to date on all the Godzilla-related news, uh, it's zero underscore Godzilla on Twitter. It's at zero mm-hmm. underscore Godzilla. Or I'm at Maddox Rules on Twitter. I'm Haley- at Haley Mancini, H-A-L-E-Y-M-A-N-C-I-N-I. Uh, and I guess we'll be catching you guys in a couple weeks. We'll have guests. We're going to do We're gonna do the whole thing. Quarantine's not going to stop us. That's right. Stay safe. Stay home. And until next I'm time, Haley. I'm George. I've invited you here to discuss something that's very important. We welcome you. Hey there. Don't forget to subscribe to Madcast Shows on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Okay, bye. Madcast Media Network. <laughs>